Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Cinemax Podcast, the podcast where we take different movies every week and find new ways to debate and rate them. We're still carrying on with our October Halloween theme right now. Last time we did Slashers, one of Nathan's least favourite episodes so far, I imagine. No, actually, uh, finished recording it, I thought, I think that might be top three for me. <laughs> okay, well, it might be one of your favourite episodes, but it was your least favourite films, shall we say. Um, Probably, yeah, 100%, definitely. Yeah, this this was, we were carrying on with the horror genre this time, but we're switching up sub-genres. We did Slashers then, we're doing Ghosts and Haunted Houses type of situations now. Um, we'll talk about more, more about that in a minute. My name's Cal Altimus, and I am one of your hosts, and joining me as he does every week is... The other host, Mr. Grace Sackle Appleby. <laughs> no. As he will be at this point, won't you? No, no, Nathan Sackle Hannah. Yeah, I think you should. I think you should double bow your name now. That's what we are doing. That's what we have done. Are you actually? Yeah, yeah, by this oh, time. I didn't actually know that yeah, was real. By this time, my last name would have changed you. Yeah. Ah, Sackle Hannah. I am. Yeah, you'll be married, what, a week now? Yes. That's <laughs> yeah. if she ain't got sick of you. Yeah. Oh, more than likely. More than likely. More than likely. No, yeah, because I've already got two middle names, so it's going to be Nathan James Edward Sackle Hannah. It's it's a long name. Jesus. Dumbledore that is long. That's very long. Because people are asking, is it going to be Sackle Appleby Hannah? I'm like, not with not with my middle names already, Paul. No. <laughs> There's not even like a single like they're all like um... shit. What's that word now? I don't that know. That word's completely gone. Do you know when? Still, they're all two syllables at least. That's the word syllables. <laughs> like, you've not got any single syllables in there, have you? It's just as long as you can possibly get. No, James. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Edward, was that the other one? Yeah. But we can shorten that one to Jedward, it's fine. Other people do. <laughs> oh, God. That's not what you want. See, mine's yeah. all long. It's Callum Darrell Altimus. Like, oh there's God. nothing. Ca- Callum Darrell, that is the worst mouthful. Yeah. Callum so, Altimus. Callum I'll just Dull. stick with Cal. Anyway, this is a Halloween episode. <laughs> yeah, talking about the horrors of our names, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, this week we're doing a little something different to the slashes. I'd say it's this ghost genre. Um, I'm not really sure you can call it ghosts because they're more like demonic entities, but we're doing Insidious from 2011, which was directed by James Wan against another James Wan movie, which was The Conjuring from 2013. So you said on the last episode, that you're not really a big horror guy and you, you quite like slashes, but you didn't really watch too much else. What are your thoughts on, like, ghosts and stuff like that? So very hit and miss. Very, very hit and miss. So I watched some that absolutely bore me to tears to the point of sleeping, like, that don't even scare me or even freak me out in the slightest, like Paranormal Activity, hate that film. Um, what was the one I was thinking of earlier that it's really good that I can't remember right this second but stuff like that i think with supernatural stuff especially religious stuff I, especially in, in the country and universe like the, the nun i didn't like that was boring to me but i really like the country and the insidious like i really like these two movies so it's it's <laughs> after last week it's a nice palate cleanser to have gone back and and re-watched them uh, one I like more than the other, which you already know because I've given you my score ahead of time. But um, one I do prefer over the other, definitely. But I do like both these movies. But yeah, definitely, I do like. I think it's really got to be. I think it's more for performances in this. It's really got to grab me. Quite yeah, it's in terms of supernatural. 
Yeah, like last week with the 80s horrors, it was quite they're quite like trashy and um don't take themselves too seriously. With these, I think it's it is a step up in quality. They're a lot more well crafted. They take themselves a lot more seriously. But I do agree. I think they're both great movies. Um both directed by James Wan. I saw this thing and he could pro- like the first saw was made for like maybe like a million dollars or something like that. And obviously made a shit ton. Same with the first Insidious. I think that was made for like 1.5 and he made like hundreds of millions again. He obviously did Aquaman, which made a billion. This guy could be like the most profitable director like ever. Like it's mad what he's done with like some small budgets. And the fact that he had, not to touch on cash yet, but he had Patrick Wilson and Rose Byrne in films. Somehow it still cost less than 1.5. I don't understand that. Like he got them cheap. But I imagine it's before they got like 2011. That's a while ago. Yeah, 12 years. Yeah. I was still in school. You yeah. weren't. Let's not, <laughs> let's not play this game again. I'm in my 20s. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I imagine it's before they were big. But didn't he do it? He did Fast and Furious as well, didn't he? He did it. Did he? I'm sure he did a Fast and Furious movie. This is, this is where my researching skill comes and I just start Googling stuff whilst filming an episode. Fast. He did Furious 7. Did he really? It says it did. Oh, I didn't know that. It rings a bell now what you say it, but I didn't yeah. I didn't remember that at all. You don't I don't associate him with that at all. That must have made a lot of money as well, because that Paul Walker's last one. Yeah, it did. It fucking did. Uh one point so the budget of no more than 250 million, including marketing, it got a box office of 1.5 billion. Jesus, yeah. So he's made a bit of dollar in his time and he made these two movies, two of the most like iconic, I'd say, ghost movies of the 21st century. And it's interesting because I feel like he ushered in like the, I hate the phrase, it's grim, but like the torture porn era we saw, which obviously led to like Hostel Night, then The Hills of Eyes and stuff came out. And it feels like he also kind of brought in this like resurge of interest in like the ghost stuff because after these, it felt like, every movie that came out was like about a haunted house. Like oh, Most of the Netflix specials, like the House on Haunted Hill, the remake, it's like there's so many of them which are about ghosts now. So it feels like he was influential in both subgenres taking off. But yeah, these two are great movies. So we wanted to do, we were talking about movies that you could compare and it makes sense to do these because they both are directed by James Wan. They both star Patrick Wilson. They both got very similar, con- like, rules about their spirits as well somewhat obviously there's yeah. a few changes with how the rules work but this somewhat like was we've literally just finished watching it in the that in the beginning when he knocks at the door the spirit knocks at the door and grace was like comes in freeze because we literally watched uh, conjure in the day before and it's like it was explained it comes in freeze i was like well it's the same director so it makes sense yeah yeah it does um but yeah we it's it's interesting to see what James Wan did with both movies, because the the Insidious movie was obviously a lot cheaper, and you can kind of tell it was made for cheap. There's a lot of, like, with the camera movements, it, it kind of feels like you can tell it's someone holding, like, a handheld camera, whereas The Conjuring, you obviously had a much bigger budget, and you can, and, it, and it does show. So have you been a fan of both of these since they came out? Then? No, no, no. Like I say, I only started really watching horrors over the past four or five years, and these are ones that Grace introduced me to. Um yeah, like you said about handheld, like there's times when Insidious looks like an episode of EastEnders, <laughs> like but with ghosts in it. Um, Conjuring is like a full, you can tell it's had a bit more money in camera work and um, 
a proper DP on it. So, yeah, it, yeah. I don't know where I was going with that. I just completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> we shouldn't film late at night. I think this needs to be the rule. We can't film past nine o'clock. Yeah, I was going to say you're uh, taking from me there, just getting lost in your own thoughts out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, yeah being not insidious. Been, not been a fan since this died, but do do really like him. I've watched. Watched all the Conjurings except for the second one and that, I can't pronounce it, La Llorona. Oh, um, yeah. Um, and watched all the Insidiouses except for the one just before the last one that had nothing to do with the OG family. Yeah. Um, the, the first Insidious film was actually the first film, the first time I ever watched it, should I say, was um, the first time me and Eleanor ever, like, spent time together like she came around and we watched that and she's not really into horror movies what a spooky movie on so you can look so you can look uh oh come here come close it's fine i'll hold you so it's pretty so we put that on and she's not a fan of horror movies but she didn't tell me at the time um but she didn't find it scary at all i mean neither of us did and so we were like oh so i said oh should we watch another? And she agreed because she was too nervous to tell me she didn't like horror movies yet. So we watched the Amityville horror after that. But yeah, I feel like that was one yeah. that as I've somehow gotten older, I found it creepier. Like when I watched it when I was 20, it didn't have any effects whatsoever. But watching it now, it, there are bits where I'm like, that is creepy. Like, mm-hmm. whereas The Conjuring, I watched in the cinema when it came out. And from the minute one, I thought that was brilliant. I, I loved it so much. So I'm excited to talk about more both movies yeah, let's here. Just, let's just show all of our cards now, shall we? <laughs> hey, I like no. I'm saying Insidious has grown on me, um, and it's got one of these. Not to step on a category too much, but it's got one of the scariest fucking songs in the world. Oh yeah, it yeah. It, it, it makes my skin crawl now. So. We'll talk about that soon. But yeah, without further ado, then we'll get started with the cinema showdown between Insidious and The Conjuring. We'll start off with a story. And I'll let you go first this time, because I usually go first in the first categories. But the stories, The Conjuring one's quite straightforward. It's family moving to a, a house. Uh, it's, it turns out to be haunted. There's some spirit, unkind spirits in there. It's set in the 70s which, and the uh, event. Oh, I'm going to say which one are you describing right now because. <laughs> because yeah, that's the conjuring. Set in the 70s, there's someone kind of spirits. They eventually call in a couple of paranormal investigators based on the real life couple, Ed and Lorraine Warren, which I think the stories are very, very greatly exaggerated to what those guys actually went through. Say, how much of a, this is based on a true story, do you believe? Yeah, not much. Not much at all, really. And I actually think... I, I think I believe in ghosts, but I don't buy most of the stuff that is genuine from them. Yeah. Um, but then in comparison, you've got the Insidious story, which is on, on the premise and on the surface, it feels similar. It's about a family that move into a house and they start being haunted. But it's as you del- delve in, it's actually a lot different. It turns out it's not the house haunted. It's with a quite iconic twist where it's it's the young boy and he goes into all this thing with the astral projection and how he passed down from his father has is it is has the ability to astral project in his sleep and his soul has been taken after straying too far into some place called the fever which when she goes on that talk i'm like Phew. he just zone out yeah i do Every time anyone speaks for long i'm gonna say it's not like you to zone out when somebody's trying to explain something to you <laughs> i know yeah Every time anyone speaks longer than two minutes i'm just like <laughs> but yeah uh, and then 
it turns into a bit more of like an action-y thing towards the end with Patrick Wilson stepping up and joining. So on the surface, they're very similar, but as you delve into them, they're quite different. So how did you score this? Um, it's interesting you say that uh, Insidious is different because it's the boy that's haunted. And so it, like, even though they moved, it's not a problem, but that's what would have happened in the country. And they, like, they specifically explained it, didn't they? That, if even if you move, they'll they'll attach you. So it just I think it just shows that James Wan's set these rules to what supernatural beings can do, um, and he's kind of stuck to them, even though the franchises aren't connected in, in any way. Though I suppose Conjuring, yeah, Conjuring came after Insidious, so he would have taken that rule from um, from Insidious as well. I scored um, this ten nine in favor of the Conjuring purely based on the fact that the reason one of the reasons i really really love the conjuring is it's not just a supernatural horror story it's not just a haunted house and a, a tortured family it is also a detective story like much more than insidious is uh, ed and lorraine warren and their merry gang of investigators it's at one point it's a full-on detective story where they're trying to figure it out we've got all the gizmos and the gadgets and the lights and the trip wires and it's it's much more than just your typical old oh, things are happening, spooky, scary. You can see things in the background, things are moving. Uh, it's got a lot, of, I think it's got a, a, an extra layer of depth to it. And not only that, but you've got, um, you've, always, you've got two stories. You've got the haunting of Ed and, uh, of the Perrin family, but you've also got the haunting of Ed and Lorraine um, back at their house with, Annabelle, who absolutely fucking delight and scares the living shit out of me. Um, you, I would, I know they sell like proper Annabelle dolls, like the shop in town that doesn't. I don't think I'd be able to have one of them in my house. <laughs> Scared the living fuck out of me. Um, my mum's got some uh, really old porcelain dolls that she keeps a, a caravan in these glass cabinets. I won't be able to sleep in that room. Fuck that. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just got so much more layers to it than than. Um, insidious does because of what it does extra and insidious's story is good i like what they do with the the further and going into that spirit world but at a certain point for me it gets a bit goofy and it stops being becoming a horror so if i'm judging this basically on a horror standpoint i think the story for conjuring is just just got a lot more meat on the bones for me yeah i actually completely agree with what you said at the end there where it doesn't feel as much like a horror as it delves deeper in. It, it, like I said earlier, it kind of turns into more like an action sort of thing with the favour and stuff, which is exactly why I scored it 10-9 in favour of The Conjuring as well. I also think, I love, I mean, I don't really know where else I can talk about it, so I love, like, it's set in the 70s. I love where, where horror movies are set in the past like that because it feels scary to me. I don't know why. Because yeah. modern-day stuff, it feels a lot less realistic. I'm, I'm quite, can't quite sure how that makes any sense to me whatsoever, but it does. Whereas when it's set in the past, it feels like that sort of thing could have happened. Um, and like the, the astral projection stuff, while it's an interesting twist and it's a different take, like I said, for me, it's like when they start talking about it, I'm like, hang on for a clue what's going on. <laughs> like, I don't even know what you mean by walk, astral projection, that doesn't make sense to me. And like you said, the inner turmoil between with Ed and Lorraine, and despite not really seeing much of it, we get that little back, like 
it's like something's happened before the film and we're still dealing with the repercussions now, which is quite nice. And it shows the they're clearly not perfect, they're struggling. Oh, it's quite nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's no, delightful, yeah. Traumatised, it's lovely. But yeah, they're like they're clearly struggling and like you said, the investigative nature of it where they're trying to figure out what is happening and like what the spirits are after and they eventually like work it out that it's the one woman that's done it all or demon. I don't kind of, I don't even know what the fuck she was. Ugly motherfucker is what she was. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I like that. And I think if you are paranormal investigators, I want to see some investigating. That's what I want to see. So yeah, I agree. I went, 10-9 in favour of The Conjuring, because I do think the story is better. But I also think where The Conjuring, they enter the house and that's when they get kind of fucked. I think in Insidious, the kind of notion is it didn't matter if they moved house or not. I think what happened would have happened anyway, because it was initially, they could have never moved and that chain of events could have, would have probably still happened. It was just unfortunate timing that they just moved into a new house. But um, yeah, I went 10-9 as well. The Conjuring story fucking rocks. Like, yeah, and there's no real like kind of explanation as to why it's happening in Insidious, other than, well, even even um, Josh, the dad, like it's kind of explained that he had it in the past, but it doesn't that didn't really open a connection to like right now, other than oh no, he kind of did. It's just that he went too far, but it's not really explained very well. It's just talking at you rather than seeing it as well, and. Sometimes, like sometimes, dialogue heavy stuff is good, but like that's the kind of stuff you want to see. It's all just a bit. Oh yeah, and this happened, and this is why it happened. It just it wasn't executed as well as the Conjuring definitely executed it. Yeah, hundred percent. We'll move on then to the openings of both movies, which is interesting because at first I wasn't quite sure. I didn't really remember much about either of them, but when you watch them again now, I felt it was. A it was a clear winner for me. The Conjuring one, sorry, I'll start with the Insidious one. The Insidious one, it was it was quite strange. Like, just the shots in the beginning, I'm not really sure whether what to make of it. Like, it showed everyone in the house asleep, and all of a sudden we saw the demon woman before it cut into just the credits, which featured a lot of, like, the, it was, like, shots of the house, but a lot of it seemed almost hand-drawn and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, it was fine, but there wasn't really much to take away from it was I think the conjuring one with the brief story of Annabelle and we we got to see that little bit with the uh, the roommates dealing with the doll and how it terrorized them. Like I mean that opening inspired the Annabelle movie. Like that's how effective it was. And even after that bit we see Ed and Lorraine in the university giving the speech. So it, it not only shows us work they've done in the past, but it also gives us a real in-depth look at them as they explain the case and they answer questions. And you all already get like a real idea of who they are. Whereas the insidious one, I think it's just, I mean, it's creepy, but there's not really much else to take away from it. So I went 10-9 in favour of The Conjuring again, because I really like that opening. I think the Annabelle stuff, I mean, like I said, it was that good and people were that interested that they made an entire film on it, which did really well. So it's hard to score against it. Um, but yeah, that's why I went 10-9. I think you're right with the Insidious. Like, I was really confused watching it. Even though I remember, I know what happens in the film, like even the opening again, I was like, the fuck's this about? It's really, like, it, A, quick, and B, like, disjointed, because it just kind of happens and then goes straight into the credits, like, no explanation or anything. And obviously, the film go on, you kind of understand it a bit more, but it's just like a really jarring opening. 
Whereas I'm, like I don't get creeped out or get scared or easily because I'm a, I'm a big boy. But um, like the Annabelle stuff at the beginning, just it's creepy. It is a bit like fucking creepy. Like there's a close up, close up shot of a fucking face. Like first of all, first of all, I don't care if it's the fucking late sixties or the seventies. Who takes a doll in that looks like that? Like this, this is before technology when people actually thought religion was real. Like this, you would not fucking take that thing in. Absolutely fucking not. So, but it's fucking creepy, and it, that like that dog creeps me the fuck out. So, I'm gonna call this move pulling a cow because Insidious's opening was so boring. Even after the credits, like you're just watching them unpack the house and eating wax apples and what have you, and fucking kids screaming, getting on my nerves. So I'm gonna what I'm gonna call a pulling a cow and go well, a ten eight to you know, ten eight ten eight to conjure because the opening to Insidious is just. It doesn't even compare in the absolute slightest. No, you're not wrong. I think the Conjuring opening is fucking brilliant. And it immediately sets the tone for what is a really, really good film. So yeah, 10 8 is fair. Like you said, that tone, it sets like it not that like, it sets the tone of uh, Ed and Lorraine, but it also sets the tone of like like you say, the whole film of it's unsettling. It's not jump scares. Because it never jumps, it wasn't jump scares, it was just unsettling. Like that doll didn't move yet, but just unsettling. And that's what the entire Conjuring movie does really, really well. Yeah, it does. I think the um, horror movies too often these days rely on jump scares to really get their audience. But I think that does a really good job of just, it's the tone throughout and it's just eerie constantly like there's you never really feel completely safe almost it just feels like there's something around the corner at all times and i think they do a really good job with that and i think the music helps which we'll talk about soon um but we'll go to the ends then the end of both movies yeah um so i'll let you go first for these ones but the ends uh oh, i guess hey, is this where you do is this you do usual thing where you say i'm gonna let you go first then talk <laughs> I, was, I just do you want to explain the ends no, you do it. You do, you're so good at it. I mean, I'm not. I always forget details. My memory is so bad. I always end up forgetting oh, something. No. And then you'll bring I, it up and when you're answering, I'll be like, shit, yeah, I should have said that. It's weird because out of the two of us, I would definitely say I've got the worst memory. Oh, I don't know. Mine is bad. Mine is, <laughs> mine is really bad. Eleanor just thinks I don't listen anymore, but I do. It's just I forget what she says. It's weird because I know for a fact you don't listen. No, I don't listen to you. That's yeah, different. Fair. Yeah, fair play. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the conjuring these the endings are quite different, I'd say. I feel like where the conjuring ending, which we see the final battle per se in the house with Caroline and how she's possessed, and they, they perform the exorcism. Um, the floating chair, which creeped me the fuck right, which is so fucking effective even now, because they think they've done it and then she just fucking floats over. It's so good. Um all of that and the big exorcism and how intense everything is. And then it kind of ends with them heading home, saying the family have their happy ending. Ed and Lorraine head home and they put the music box in that room. And it as they leave, it starts to play. And you see the little mirror bit. And it's like throughout the film, we've seen the spirit show up. And it's like, will they show up? Will they show up? And it kind of ends on like an, an inception type ending. Yeah, it's like you didn't see anything, but the music's playing. So is there something there? It's it's a bit more mysterious and you don't really have a conclusive answer. Whereas the insidious ending is very, you, you're quite certain what happens where 
the start of it is when Josh goes into the further to get his son Dalton and goes through all that, which is quite well done because it's all dark and obviously it was made for cheap. They got they had the ability to make that quite effectively with like the the mannequins and stuff, which were creepy as shit. Like you just, you just turn off the lights and put on the swing, the fog machine. That's all you need to do. Yeah, exactly. And he saved millions while doing it, and I think it works. You don't because you don't get to see much. You only see what Josh sees, and I think that yeah. works because it's and you don't see it until it's pretty much in your fucking face. Um, but yeah, we get that, and when he gets out, we see the way the family have a very brief happy reunion before the medium whose name we spoke about before and I've already forgotten it. What's she called? Elise. Uh, when she goes to hand things over and she, she immediately notices something's wrong and takes a picture. And at that point, we're not really sure what's going on until we see Josh Strangler, which came out of nowhere the first time I watched it. I didn't expect it at all. Mostly because I'd watched it years later and I'd seen already that she's in the sequels. So I was like, mm. I just assumed she was going to be around. How is but, she I forget. Well, she. I think because they did a couple of prequels, but I didn't know that at the time. So they're about her. Before, oh, and which I didn't realize. In the ones that take place after, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so I wasn't aware, but then he obviously kills her, and then we quickly see why, and we see that she noticed the black on the nails, and she took the picture, and it was that creepy motherfucker from the beginning, who had been terrorizing him as a child as well. Um, and then we see his wife, played by the absolutely unbelievable Rose Byrne. I was saying to Eleanor watching it today, I think that's one of my number one crushes. I've, I've got such a crush on Rose Byrne. Um, but she noticed, she finds the body, and when she sees the camera and she looks and she sees the picture, and then all of a sudden he's just behind her with a hand on the shoulder, and it ends with her character Renee gasping. Yeah. Um, so they're very different endings. One's very dramatic, and the other's more mysterious. So how did you score them? Oh yeah, it's me. It's my turn, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, you didn't want to describe it, you left it to me. You just do it so well. Bollocks that! No, I don't. I just like. I just yeah. mumble for two minutes. I just like letting you talk, so I can zone out for a bit. Yeah, it's like the tables are turned. Yeah, to be because to be fair, if I was to talk, you wouldn't understand what we were talking about anymore because you wouldn't you would have zoned out. So it's much better if you do it. Um, I. Well, I went 10-9 to Conjuring once again um, because I just think it's, again, it's the execution. It's so much better done. Better done. I think I did that last last episode. said better done as well. I don't really think that was good, good English on my part or very good, but uh, it's better executed. Um, it's full-on creepy. Like when you say, like when you said, you think it's over and then the fucking chair starts floating and then it goes up on the fucking ceiling. Um, all the whole, the whole exorcism and stuff when she starts coughing blood and it splatters on the sheet and every, all of that bit, just I'm going to bring it, I'm going to bring it out for, I'm not using it anymore. It's fucking phenomenal. And like in comparison to Insidious, like, like I say, it's, it's the goofiness of it. I'm kind of like, though I will say some bits in the Insidious ending that I do really like, like when he's walking around the house and it's showing you the story of the family that, that's killed by the daughter. Fucking brilliant. And then when they were all just kind of stood there and then all the faces turn into a fucking right creepy smile. That's the bit that gets me. That's fucking... Probably the only bit in the whole film that really creeps me out is that family at the end. Um, but yeah... I think for Insidious, because it feels a bit goofy, it just can, and it's not scary anymore. It's more about like, 
it is like a mini action thing. It kind of loses me a little bit. Whereas Conjuring, I'm so invested in the family. I'm so invested in bringing the mum back. I'm so invested in the exorcism because he's not allowed to perform the exorcism. And Lorraine freaking the fuck out the entire way through it. And then all the way up to the end where, like you say, it's like, well, like I said, but it's the Inception type ending. And you're like, right, either we're going to... And your entire time you're thinking, either we're going to see something or it's going to close and Annabelle's going to be there. That's all I, that's like what I think every time. And I know it's not going to happen, but I think it's still this time. This time is going to be the time when it's fucking something there. So, yeah, again, I just think Conjuring is just so much more, oh my God, what's fucking wrong with me? So much more executed in a better way. That wasn't good English either. But, yeah, I don't know what I'm saying anymore. We can't film late anymore, Cal. It's Conjuring's executed better. <laughs> well said. Yeah. That's if uh, if these episodes were releasing back in the day, that could have gone on the poster. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I actually went. This is the first time I think we'll disagree because I went ten nine in favor of Insidious, largely because I quite like when a horror movie ends as sudden as that one did like and it lets us and it lets us know that things aren't right and it and it's not all to interpretation it lets us know that essentially everything's fucked i mean if you watch the sequels you know that's not necessarily true but at the time it ended and you thought well i guess that's the entire family done for i think like you just assumed josh was gonna take out everyone and like that his wife poor sweet rose burn was was a goner but um i also think the twist was nice i think having the medium die at that point was really shocking because she yeah. played such an important role and I don't think anyone saw it coming and I like when I'm caught like something takes me by surprise like that and like you said the family in the fervor with the girl who shoots um her family and then the way he turns and it's just all the faces like that is so unsettling it's why I think I don't know if you liked it but that smile the concept of smile the premise of smile just yeah, the premise when is- they're smiling it creeps me the fuck out that's yeah. Subtle horror like that is just a creepy smile is always some of the most effective for me. Um, smile was a massive disappointment for me. I was expecting it to be like proper creepy and it just, it was boring. I think it was one of those that the favourite went on. My thing with horror movies, when they try to explain what's happening, it usually falls flat. Sometimes yeah. it's best to just not know what the fuck's going on, in my opinion. just We don't need to know. Just let's go. Um, but yeah, like those... That family was so creepy. And the weird Darth Maul looking thing. Oh, it's just crackhead Darth Maul. <laughs> yeah. Like the way he like shows up and it's like his his jump scares are quite good, actually. I, I don't mind them. And he's a very effective looking monster, I think. Like seeing him in that room with the song, which we'll talk about later, which I'd rather fart Mike Tyson than ever person to listen to, is so so effective for me so yeah i went 10-9 in favor of that because the the conjuring ending is good but i think the twist element to the insidious one is what pushes it over the the edge for me because i love when something takes me by surprise i just love being shocked and that's what that ending did see i much different in that i prefer a conclusive ending that's still a little vague like the film ends, we still get a conclusion, everything's over. 
but you still get that like we'll call it the inception ending of well obviously it's not fully there's something still there plus you still got all the stuff of like annabelle that went off that you just kind of have to hope is resolved and that she was because that's never really resolved in the film they just kind of take the kid and go oh, okay well she's back in a case obviously you're just having a fit love but and so you kind of that's open-ended as well and it just i don't know this this for me there's something about this case is done but obviously there's more cases to be had scooby-doo like yeah yeah and i think that's why the conjuring universe works i think because there are all these different cases and it's not just like a one and done one the insidious one as the series goes on it's like are we still dealing with this shit like it's the same shit <laughs> yeah we're not doing a legacy um uh round this this week so i'll talk about it now but i i don't I, the the latest um insidious movie that brought the original cast back and now the older just really bored me like I, I didn't get on with it at all because it's just like like you said are we is this it? Is this all it is now? Is this just what we're dealing with? Just right, we need to go into the further. We knew that it's nothing's changed. Whereas, like you say, the conjuring, it, it does mix it up a little bit every every now and again and kind of jumps around time as well. So, yeah, Agreed. yeah, you mentioned that then. Have you what do you like the conjuring sequels? Then, like the second one in England, I think is fucking brilliant. Yeah, I love the main three conjuring movies, um, love them all. I know the third one didn't get as much love as the others, but I really, really loved it. Um, it's one of the Annabelle movies that I really like. I can never remember which one it is. Um, and then, oh, which is the other one? None I weren't a fan of. I've not seen the new one yet. Um, yeah. and we didn't watch uh, La Llorona because at that point we'd watched the nun and was like burnt out. So, but yeah, really, the mainline Conjuring movies, can't get enough of them. Yeah, that's fair enough. That um, Maybe because uh, of my boy Patrick Wilson, which is a nice segue for you, I think. I was just about to come up with my own, you bastard. They had one there. <laughs> I was going to say, you just touched on that last Insidious film, which Patrick Wilson made his directorial debut in. Yeah. Um, and like we said earlier, he's obviously star- he's the star of both these movies. So instead of just doing best lead character, we decided to just name it the best Patrick Wilson, because why yeah. not? Which is the best one. Yeah, you've got Josh in Insidious who, at the beginning, it feels like he's not the main character. It feels like Ro- uh, Rose Byrne's character is the main one. He plays that really stereotypical husband figure in a horror movie that doesn't believe what his wife is seeing is real. Like You get it in all of them. There's, um, oh, shit, what's that one called with the little girl? It's also starring Vera Farmiga, and it's the little girl who's actually an adult. Orphan, is it? Yeah, yeah. That that husband doesn't believe what she's saying about the kid. You get it quite a lot where the husband doesn't believe, and in, in Insidious, he he's really dead set against it all, and he starts staying at work to avoid her. And when she brings the mediums around, he tells them to leave. And it's not un- until about halfway through the movie he really starts to take notice and pay attention. And then it switches, and then it becomes all about him and his past. So he plays a fairly significant role with going into the fervor and his childhood where he was doing the astral projection shit and it's, he becomes like the lead whereas it initially seemed like it was his wife whereas I think Ed Warren in The Conjuring it's a joint thing and I think he actually is kind of second to Vera Farmiga's character as his wife in that movie because she's the one that is the medium and she's seeing everything and he's kind of just like they're supporting her and um Kind of taking charge when he doesn't think she can. 
it's I think it's you now anyway or is it me no I did the end I know it sometimes feels like it's it's me because you talk a lot but you know this time because <laughs> you explain every category but this time it is you buddy right well I'm not explaining another category so <laughs> ever ever again never again no uh yeah, for this, I went 10-9 in favour of The Conjuring because I think his insidious character is a bit annoying. Especially at first when he's, like, staying at the school to avoid spending time with his wife, who's fucking Roseburn. Listen, buddy, we all want to be married to Roseburn. Yes, we do. So fucking realise how lucky you are, you little bastard. I mean, the screaming kid, probably. That's yeah. probably... The kid is constantly screaming throughout the movie until, yeah. like, the midpoint when she just kind of, like... Yeah, they're going to go stop somewhere else. We never see those children again. I know, yeah. Probably for the best. Yeah. But um, when you compare that to the the Ed Warren character, who's clearly very, very supportive of his wife, and he's clearly well capable in his job, and he knows what he's doing. He performs the exorcist at the end. And it's based on a real person, which always adds a bit of gravity to a character for me. So I, I went 10-9 in favour of... The Conjuring. I just think the insidious character was until the very end when he started doing like found out about his own past. He was just a bit of a dick. Like the way he treated um, the mediums when they came around and explained what had happened to his son. It was like unnecessarily rude, especially in front of his wife who invited him around. He was like shooting him out the door. It's like, come on, lad, let's not be like this. Come on, we've come all this way. Come on, lad. We've come all this way. Let's uh, let's treat him a bit nicer than that. Yeah, agreed. And even at the end, like these moments where I'm like, come on, man, just use your brain a little bit. Like, why is he going so close up to these fucking ghosts' faces? Like, you know, the spirits you've been explained that some can be evil and some can be all right. But if I knew for if I was told, oh, some ghosts you're going to see are fucking evil spirits that can fuck you up, I won't be sticking my face nowhere, especially not to the one who's ironing, the older, older family member that's ironing. And looks fucking creepy as fuck, even though she's not one of the evil ones. I won't be sick. And then he goes in and sons Dalton's chained up. And then he's like, oh, he's he's up there. So he stops, he stops trying to unchain him, just st- stands there staring, looking at him. And you're like, no, don't fucking bother. Crack on. And then when they get back to the house, is uh, Dalton's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and like he lets him run ahead. No, oh, you just spent all that time trying to fucking find him. Don't let him go now. Yeah, and then he stops oh, to talk to the fucking woman in the mirror. Yeah, he stops screaming at her. Oh, it infuriates me, which is why I went 10-9 for uh, uh, Ed as well, um, because he is like proper father. He's a, he's a good dad. He's a good teacher. Well, in terms of spiritual teacher, he's a good husband. Uh, and he's not he's not stupid either, and he, he does take charge, and he, he's logical and doing all the exorcism stuff at the end as well looks like it's not something that's easy for him and he puts that through like portrays that really well and also uh, i'd love to say this didn't influence my decision but it 100 did look at those fucking sideburns (laughs) those are some those are some peak sideburns on that man so yeah 100 ed warren on this one i also think like he's Chemist, the relationship with Lorraine, it feels warm and it feels genuine. Where I feel like him and um, Renee's character kind of, it feels like they were odds all the way through. And obviously, as the series goes on, especially in the last one, they've even separated. Whereas it feels like him and Lorraine 
their relationship never wavers, and I think that adds to the character as well. There's that moment where it's like um, God put uh, God brought us together for a reason. I think the reason's this. <laughs> and I was on the sofa and said, "You'd think it were love, but I guess it's for an exorcism." But <laughs> yeah, but he's also quite funny. Like, was it when she mentions the honeymoon and she said something like, "What did we, what did you say on our honeymoon?" He says, "Can we go again?" <laughs> Like yeah. he's he's a charming character in that, whereas I don't yeah. think Josh is very likable. So that was an easy one. But we just mentioned the fear of Formiga's character. So the next category we're going to do is on the mediums in both movies because they both feature a very specific medium, who is the one that is really like the voice into what's going on, and they're the one that kind of does a lot of the explaining. And you've got Elise in the. Insidious, yeah. Yeah, that's Elise. I keep forgetting the name. Elise in Insidious, and you've got Lorraine in The Conjuring. So I'm gonna let you explain both of them. Uh both mediums. Both they both explain what's going off in the world. Oh, you're just repeating everything I just said. You, do you say in the world? What did they say? Oh, yeah, by the way, Ronald Reagan's president. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you didn't catch the sports at the weekend, Blackman Rovers won five two. I don't think they do. Uh, just run everything that's going on in the world. At this point, that at this point, the uh, that news is going to be two weeks old, Cal. Yeah. yeah, true. But I'll still be bringing it up because we just scored five goals in one game. That's all that matters. Right. Um, um, no, yeah, they're the ones that are in touch with the spirit world. Um, they have all the knowledge of the spirit world. Um, obviously, Ed does as well, but he comes from more like a. Uh, religious side of it whereas Lorraine is in contact with the spirits like she can actually see them and feel them and understand what's going off and um, she's the one that senses them all same with Elise uh, she could see obviously um, the person the spirits are attached to Josh at the end and knows all about the further and knows how to contact them Imp- important like people they both know how to contact the spirit world as well um so yeah massively massively connected and uh, a nice through line for both movies is that these kind of characters almost explain all the spiritual stuff um in a way that's accessible except to you who just tunes out and doesn't care the minute um, anyone trying to explain i'm like yeah, and I, again, it seems to be a running theme, but I, again, went 10-9 in favour of The Conjuring and uh, Lorraine because you can clearly see she's been through some shit. Um, she's tortured. She's still recovering from what happened before, which, as the film goes on, you kind of get hints and hints, and it isn't until the second film, I believe, it's been a while, that you really learn what happened with her. Um, and she's still recovering from that and like balancing that being a being a wife, being a medium and being a mother, uh, end up having all that torture that's following her. Like when she sees a daughter floating in the river, like she's immediate like that performance then is incredible. Um you can and you can see that she's she's constantly got something attached to her, even when she's happy. Um there's always that thing like uh, there's that moment in the um in the garden where he's like I'm gonna nip to the shop to to get some things or whatever he says and it's like uh, it's been however many years and you still think you can lie to me what's going on so a true testament to that character and how strong she is and how willing she is to put herself in positions even at the detriment to herself whereas Elise is great but very straightforward um and you know she gets killed so can't be that good but she doesn't really do much she kind of sits with a gas mask on for a bit which is cool 
um, and walks around looking at things like with wide eyes. And she has got a charm to her. She's, you know, quite like she is likable and stuff, but she just doesn't she doesn't have the weight. She doesn't really like you obviously it doesn't work on you and it didn't really work on me this time either that she just it's just explaining it just seems like ex, she's an, she's there for the exposition rather than any other kind of purpose to the story and she doesn't change much every like you said everything would still happen if she wasn't there i feel like she just aggravated stuff she just explained things a bit more which i suppose the mum could have done as well uh, josh's mum could have done as well and whereas elaine is Lorraine, sorry, not I'm getting, I'm, I'm merging them both now. Uh, Elise and Lorraine, Elaine. Uh, Lorraine also has this connection to them, to the uh, Perrin family's mum, as well. And this kind of, that bond is what really brings her back as well. So definitely went with Lorraine on this one. Yeah, I went to Lorraine as well because I think you touched on it then with the, you see that vulnerability to her, and you, we get to see her struggles and stuff like that, and. Um, with Elise, it's very 2D, two-dimensional, I think. We see her... I mean, what 2D means. Uh, it seems weird to say 2D instead of two-dimensional <laughs> in this context. But um, it's... You don't see much out of what she's doing in the house. Like, you don't really get any sense of her actual personality or of her like, life. You don't see really, really see any weaknesses or anything like that. Whereas you see a lot with Lorraine. And like you mentioned it there, the, the bit outside when she says the... Uh, when he lies about going to shop, she calls him out on it. It shows how headstrong she is because the minute he says, oh, I'm just going to go see about a case, and she's like, right, I'm coming with you. And she walks to the car and he's like trying to talk about it. And she's like, nope, I'm coming. And she's like, she's really like headstrong. And I think, especially the bit shortly after they meet the family and the guys, they stood outside and she sees the, the body behind him and you just see the legs hanging. And she says to him about the family, like, and she mentions these, they're, they're great. we got to help these guys. And she's got that like um, affection to her. And it makes her feel real. She feels like a genuine person who has that motherly love, no matter who it is. And I think that works in her favour. Yeah, and with Elise, she doesn't really seem scared either. Like, it's like, obviously this, she's kind of looks a little bit frightened, but she doesn't, doesn't feel like she's ever feel, she ever feels threatened by these dark spirits that are supernatural. Whereas Lorraine understands it all, has obviously done this a few times knows the kind of things that can happen but she's constantly terrified still like the the world still terrifies terrifies her that uh, black woman rover score still terrifies her um, terrify anyone like she sees that she sees the person hanging and she sees in in fact i want to save it for later but in one of the best moments in the film she she sees something else and it terrifies her and it still like has an effect on her i think that's i just think that really adds to her character as well yeah, there's it, there's a certain depth to it that I don't think Elise is really afforded. I imagine watching the prequels, the Insidious prequels with her, you probably do get that side of her, but strictly yeah, off this I one, I don't think it's... It just, you don't. There's definitely a love for the character in that franchise, but it does come from the sequels. I know yeah. I prefer her in the sequels because she's a lot more playful, a little bit more Yoda-like. She's a lot more playful, but then serious. Yeah. That's Star Wars reference for this week. Yeah, I was just saying, you keep well, finding ways to squeeze earlier. You are? You got Darth Maul in earlier. Yeah, uh, that was me. I, I started dropping one. Fuck. <laughs> we'll move on then to the supporting cast, because both of these movies, especially The Conjuring, is quite stacked. I think Insidious, you've got Ty Simkin, who played Dalton, who isn't actually given that much to do in the first one, because he spends a large, large portion of the film unconscious. 
But when he is awake, he is quite charming in the role. And he, the way he speaks to his mum, especially at the beginning and when he first comes back and he says he's tired and stuff, it feels like it's a genuine child. Like none of that feels scripted. That feels like the way a real child would speak, which is quite hard with child actors sometimes where they feel quite wooden and um, it feels genuine. So I, I quite like him. You've obviously got Josh's mum, who's a motherfucker. I'll say more on her in a minute, but she's a motherfucker. And you've got like the crew with Lee. You outside? Get Rose Byrne. I'm getting to Rose Byrne. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. I'll, I'll let you continue. My bad. But you've got like that. Is it Lee Lee Winnell, I think, who wrote the Insidious movies, and I think he directs at least one of them. And he played Specs, one of the. All right. I didn't know that. The... I didn't know he wrote and directed. Yeah, he. I know he wrote the first one absolutely, and I think he directed one of the prequels. But um, yeah, he wrote this one and he's, I think Specs is his name. He's one of Elise's like sidekicks as well as the other one whose name I can't remember. We'll call him, if one's called Specs, we'll just call it one beardy. Yeah, sure. That sounds good. Um, But yeah, so you've got those guys. But the cast other than that, it doesn't really extend too far. Um, Whereas the Conjuring one is pretty, pretty extensive and it's You've got the entire parent family who I think, not to reveal too much of my score, I think all do an absolutely fucking brilliant job. I think every single one of them does a brilliant job. I think the kids, some of the child acting in that is some of the best I've seen in a very long time. I think Joey King especially is oh, brilliant. A moment in it that's phenomenal. Yeah, she's brilliant in that film. Um, it seems so genuine, her reaction when she's like terrified and crying. Like she's She's so good, but I think all the kids are... Um, I don't know most of the names, but like Mackenzie, I think Mackenzie Foy plays one. Um, I'm not really sure I recognise any of the others. They're the only two like noticeable names, I think. But the entire um, child, the older children put in solid performances. Even April, the youngest, the little girl, like she must be what, like three, four, five, and she's brilliant. Like it's so well done. Um, and the mum and dad, I think, are brilliant. Ron Livingston, who played. Roger, I think he's not given as much to do because he obviously spends a large portion of the early bits like working away, whereas the mum deals with the brunt of it and her name escapes me now. I did write that one down actually, so I need to say it because she's brilliant. Um, Lily Taylor, I think she is literally fucking wonderful. She does so much in that film with the possession and even before that, just dealing with everything while the dad's away, like the certain scenes where she's like locked in the basement and it's just so well acted. I think the entire parent family are great. And then you add like the kind of the policeman, was it Brad? I think he was called. Something like that, yeah. Then the non-believer who eventually ends the movie saying he'd rather do a man with a gun. <laughs> yeah, and then the you know you've got the you got the other investigator who Yeah, Drew. Drew. You've got you've you've got Ed and Ed and Lorraine's daughter and babysitter. You've got the the um, priest. So you've got a bigger you've you've got a bigger cast as well, and obviously Annabelle and the guys at the beginning. Yeah, but yeah, going off everything pretty much I've just said, I went ten nine in favor of the Conjuring because, like I said, some of the child acting in that parent family is just exceptional, and there's certain scenes. In the the one that strikes me in particular is when they first move in and the girls start playing that hide and clap game and it feels like a real family yeah. which I might, might sound stupid considering most movies kind of portray fans the same way but that one feels it feels genuine like the way the 
the dad's telling him all to watch out or when the mum's telling him you don't know the house well enough to do second hit. It feels all like a real family. And when the investigators all come around and they're all sat around the table in the kitchen eating, it genuinely feels like just people having a good time. And the way I think April goes up to the dad and just hugs him randomly or the way she takes Ed food, it just, they, they all feel real. And I don't know if it's because it's based on a true story or because it's set in the 70s, but it almost does feel like this family are the real deal and actual real family, Cal. They're still what? act. They're still <laughs> so they weren't actually the real family. They're still actors. That's what I'm saying, and it feels like they're real, which is why I'm going ten nine in favour of them. I think they all did incredible. Although what's random is it's that really random moment where it kind of hints that Drew and the oldest daughter are going to kind of have a thing, and then we're just never touching it again, <laughs> never again. Yeah, it kind of flirts, and then uh, Ed comes in. And he's like, "Oh shit!" There's that little bit. Just kind of, she's kind of just batting her eyelids at him, and it's like, "Oh, is something going on?" Then never touching it again. Well, not going to comment. Um, I for this for the opposite reason to why I didn't like Josh and why you didn't like Josh. Um, the dad in the Conjuring is such. This is the most fucking supportive dad and husband. Ever. She's like, there's something going off in this house. And he's like, yep, believe it. Let's go and find out. And like immediately. Like there's none of that, there's none of that what we both said we, we don't like in the oh no, I don't believe it. You're crazy. You're crazy. And it's a very similar setup in that it's the mum and the the you know, the mum and the wife that has to that gets the brunt of it. But it's just it's just it was just it's just refreshing to watch a film with the 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 husband, the, the father actually believes it and is immediately on track, even though he doesn't 100% understand it or maybe he's not 100% sold on it. He, he's not he's not arguing it. He's not being like, oh, you fucking crazy bitch. Is what can we do? What can we do? We'd like to need to say, sort out a family kind of thing. And he does a fantastic job in it as well. He's such a good... And Jerry, like, there's a moment with Jerry King um, that I was alluding to a second ago is... Um, when she's being tugged on the bed first of all believable but i'm going to put that down special effects but when she thinks there's somebody in the corner of the room her acting terrifies me it's it's pure fear and i know there's a lot of films that obviously the whole genre built on it that's built around these actors being scared but that it all feels genuine there's not a performance in the country that doesn't feel genuine there's a, a few moments we've had in lorraine's door to it maybe we could have got a better child actor but other than that like there's not a bad performance in the entire movie um all the family like you say all the family feel like a real family um the the police officer fucking funny as hell when the when the door starts creaking he's like uh, what i had to go <laughs> piss myself and when he sees the woman in the laundry room and has to fucking like he just starts fucking running and screaming absolutely gets me it's good that there's like the tiniest tiniest smidge of humor without going too far as well it's like realistic humor um but i don't know if i want to talk about it now or talk about it later but there's moments with a mum um that are genuine oh no i'll talk about one of them now there's moment when she's playing um hide and clap with the daughter that's left at home and all the rest go to school and she starts realizing that when she realizes that the daughter's not in the cabinet and something else is there's a look of fear on her that's just oh it's on point it's fantastic though saying talking about hide and clap i said to grace thank god there's ipads and nintendo switches and everything now because i won't be able to play this bullshit with my child no 
fucking boring is that? It sounds like a terrible game. Like the it's an accident waiting to happen. It is. It, it's a death trap. Walking around blindfolded upstairs as well. Like, who knows what could have happened? I think I, I remember thinking it the first time watching it and this this last time watching it. I'm like, oh, she's going to fall or she's going to step on something. And it, they go a completely different route instead. It's just so much better. So much yeah, better. I think that's what works well in The Conjuring is it leads you to believe that it's heading in one way and it kind of takes you in another, which I think it does more than once. There's a few times where with the music box where the moment first and then at the end where they're just looking into it and you're just expecting to see something and you just don't, but it's that suspense while you're waiting. I think that adds to it yeah. rather than get a jump scare out of it. You just, you don't for the most part. And I think that's really well done. I even like the, uh, the priest's reaction when he sees the evidence and sees the videos and stuff and they're explaining everything. And there's another, I don't want to say the same thing again, but it's just another look of fit. It's like a, it's almost like he's, he can't believe his eyes. And like he probably has seen this a lot, but this one is going, you know, fuck, this is this is serious. In comparison to like Insidious, like there was so many times watching Insidious this time where I felt that it's like this does feel like a bit like East Endersy. Um it doesn't feel genuine, like when they're playing with the kids, it doesn't feel genuine. Like when he's like blowing raspberries on the the baby and stuff, and and when uh, Rose Burns sat laughing with um playing with um, oh fucking what's his name Dalton like it doesn't feel genuine it does feel like something off like a sitcom or a, a soap um, even like the guys at the end and, and Elise it doesn't it doesn't have this kind of weight to it it all just kind of feels like you said 2D two dimensional if you didn't know what I mean um, so you're welcome uh, and it just yeah com- in comparison it, it's two different very different levels of performances and like strength of cast as well. Yeah, and I think for me, one of my favorite scenes in almost any movie like this is the one where everyone kind of at the same time fit, realizes something's going on. So, like in The Conjuring, it was when the dad's coming home and he pulls up and he can hear everyone screaming, and the mum's stuck downstairs, and the girls upstairs have been. Um, I can't really remember. I think it's when the, the spirit on the wardrobe jumps onto the girl oh, and he comes yeah, in yeah. and he's like trying to calm, calm her down. And he, he says something like, someone tell me what the hell's going on. And it's like that bit where everything's, everyone realises something's going on. And we're in Insidious when the mum reveals that she also sees things and it's not just Rose Byrne's character. And then they hear a crash and they go to Dalton's room and he's on the phone. Everything's been trashed up. It's like those moments where the characters realize something's actually happening and they start to believe everyone else. I think it's some of the most satisfying stuff that you can do. So I feel like it's annoying when there's a character that doesn't believe you at first, but once they do, I think it's so satisfying. Like even Brad, the police officer, when he clicks after seeing the maid and he's like no longer just thinks it's the fucking gust of wind and stuff well there's a great moment between uh what's the dad's name in which one? Oh, uh sorry yeah conjuring roger roger and ed's like ed's fixing the car and having a conversation about um lorraine and his wife whose name is escaping me as well and it's just it's just out of place. It's not. It's not a horror movie conversation. It's. It's real. It's like a real life conversation, but it just sets. It just builds up the character relationships of of everybody in that one simple conversation around fixing the car. 
love the country, man. Fucking love it. Yeah, oh, yeah. When... Ten nine to country. <laughs> yeah, me too. I don't know if I said it ten nine as well. Although Rose Byrne was fantastic, Ali, no bad word about her. What a woman. What a delightful woman. Agreed. No, nothing. No, there's one moment where she's screaming. Um and she's screaming for like the entire film, she's screaming in American, but then there's one moment where she screams in Australian. <laughs> and I was like, oh, couldn't keep the accent away there, could you? Love? Sometimes it slips, sometimes it slips. Well, let it slide though. Um, it's, it's, really, it's really distinguishable because one moment she's screaming and the next moment she's like, crikey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not an accent that's subtle either. No, no, no. We'll move on then to the best. I say monster, but there's obviously quite a few demons in each movie. So we'll, we'll move on to the best demons in both movies. Then you've obviously got is that going to rain in both? To be fair, both movies have got a lot. Um, on the surface, when I came up with that, I just, I just thought of like the Darth Maul looking motherfucker versus the evil like what? demon at the end of yeah. the Conjuring. But both are actually plagued by several different ones, including. Like little creepy boys that look like they're from like the Tudor era, or like the two women in white, which creep me the fuck out, or the maid in the Conjuring who attacks Brad. Like, there's some really good ones in both movies. I think. Um, I'm trying to remember if it's me or you. You. Oh, the, last one got, the last one got very mixed. Yeah, I'll let you go first on this one. Um, I really like The Conjuring once again. So I went 10 9 once again to The Conjuring. And it's it's got to be the most one sided I think you've ever been. This is the most one sided I've ever been. This is the most landslide it's ever been for me, definitely. But I think it's because I like. How do I explain it? In Insidious, it kind of feels like. Right, we've got ghosts. Let's do as many different types of ghosts as we can. So we've got like 60s era family. We've got red faced, dark, more crackhead looking motherfucker. <clears throat> we've got a creepy little, it's like, uh, oh, what scares people? We've got a creepy little boy who listens to creepy little music. We've got twins, because everybody knows twins are scary. Fuck, I do. Um, mm. There's always a good one and an evil one. I mean, who the evil one is in my life. Um, yeah, we fucking do, Christ. Yeah, we fucking do. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a widow. I'm surprised there wasn't a nun in there as well. I guess he was saving that one for later. Um, but it just kind of feels like... And I love the design of the Darth Maul one. I do. But I love it more in the hand-drawn picture that uh, Specs dry, draws. I think it looks so much creepier than in real life. Though I do love the shot when she's looking at him and his like, face is behind Patrick Wilson. It looks great. But I like the consistency of... That's really sounds really boring of me. I love the consistency of the conjuring one um, because it's it's contained and it's it's telling a contained story. It's this this singular family of the mother, the daughter, uh, the maid, um, all in this. It didn't try and be like, oh, what's scary, and then just doing whatever. And it also feels, I think, it helps make it more creepy because I didn't go, oh, that looks like Darth Maul, or oh, it's just a little boy. Um, you know, I was surprised it wasn't a, a little girl singing nursery rhymes as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's I think it's much more effective because you get glimpses of them. Oh, you don't want to talk about a moment, but I'll save it till later. You get glimpses of them, like with the hanging on the tree or um, the body in the water, which is 
obviously their daughter in a vision and like when the mother becomes possessed it's she doesn't change into this other person but her face morphs into something demonic um and when you do see the maid it's it's a flash and it's believable it's just genuine genuinely believe it's not like a a, a biker that's just got a slightly disfigured face walking around the bedroom it's it's i think it, it is creepy because it is more believable and it's more consistent and it's more it's less of that ridiculous and silly whereas insidious for me just got a bit too especially when they're all around them in like a walking dead type scene it's all these different kinds of creatures and different makeup it, it almost feels like a like a haunted house at a, a fairground well, not a fairground, a bit more. What's it called? Scarefest. It feels more like that um, with all the different kind of makeups. It just, it, at points, it just feels like, right, you've been told to come with something creepy. Think of something creepy and dress up in your trailer and come to set. Um, whereas the the spirits in Conjuring felt closer to the story. So I went with a, I went with a, a boring answer, but I stand by it, so fuck you. <laughs> no, uh um, I'm not going to lie, I agree again that I went 10-9 in favour of The Conjuring as well because while at first I think the Darth Maul looking thing, I think it's actually called like the lipstick mouth something, which is a really weird name for it. Is that um, a bit weird? Don't, because I'm I swear still, to God. I'm still not recovered from last week's uh, revelation of Jason Takes Manhattan. So I swear to God, it's called like the lipstick something demon. Lipstick, that makes it sound like it's a, a very weird. exciting yeah, no, that's what I. That's exactly what I thought. But yeah, it's called the um, lipstick face demon. Yeah, the lipstick face demon. And at first, it does look creepy. And like, like you said, that shot behind Josh is really well done, and that makes me jump almost every time. But the more you look at it, the more cartoony I think it looks. Yeah. And the scenes, especially when it first is chasing mm. Dalton, and it's like on the side of the wall. And it starts to like crawl, oh, and it looks really fake. Yeah. Like that's when you can tell the movie was made on a really small budget. And I think the little boy ghost, there's nothing really scary there either. He's just laughing. Like he doesn't seem threatening in any way. He's just running around laughing. He's not interfering with them. So that doesn't really strike me as scary either. I think the mannequin stuff with a woman in the favor, that's really well done. And I think the woman that eventually takes over Josh's body, if the film was about that ghost things would be different because that is a genuinely creepy look with like the veil down the face i think that's really is really terrifying but like you said there's not they're all a bit of a mishmash and none of them really linked together and the in comparison to the conjuring ones where it's all the, the uh, victims of that house and because of the year it was in they're all wearing those like um that it's a very period piece like costume setting for all of them they're all in like the olden clothes we've got the maid the woman in the basement in the yellow dress is terrifying like when she's and it's not even when you see the first thing it's just when she's sat there with the back and then she's like from it and it's kind of you just kind of see her face like slowly turn i was like nah get the fuck out of there like that is horrific i think conjuring does more with less as well like when they're in the basement and then the ball just comes out of nowhere and starts bouncing on the floor. Like even that shit scary. Yeah. Like if that and I think it every time I watch these movies anyway, but I'd be out of that house fucking straight away. If I, I saw mean, I'd have been out the day the dog died. 
yeah, yeah. Yeah. If I if I'd moved into a house and the morning after someone had killed my dog outside, I am gone. <laughs> I am so gone. There's something clearly fucking wrong. Or when the birds start flying into the windows, yeah, there's something going on here. Get out. Let's go. I did a <laughs> while he was explaining the a second ago after I looked up uh, the lipstick face demon, I did a little chuckle because I I skipped some writing. Um, and he said uh, the lipstick face demon, um, or simply Maul. And then I'd kind of Maul, yeah, fans have called him Maul. Oh. Um, but I kind of skipped a little bit. And then I read <laughs> he once was the Sith apprentice who became a Sith Lord and Dark Ruler. I was like, I fucking missed that part of the film. <laughs> Just saying, now he's talking about now he's talking about Darth Maul. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened when, um, in a different universe, he doesn't show up in the Clone Wars and stuff. And when Obi Wan slices him off, he ends up in a favor. <laughs> but no that like I said it's a bit too cartoony that and it looks it doesn't look threatening at all the end bit when Josh is in the favor and he sees it in the room and it's doing like the nail stuff aside from the the music playing I don't think he looks threatening and when he turns around it's a bit disappointing in comparison to some of the ones we see in the conjuring which all look freaky as hell I think he looks it's a great design for Buffy which is a mm. compliment to Buffy, but an insult to the interviews. No, you're right. You can tell it to show up in that kind of thing. Yeah, I know what you mean. It doesn't look very um, cinematic. No. It looks made for TV and very cartoony, and I think it hurts the end of it as a result. I've not actually seen any Insidious sequel. Do they ever bring that character back? I think maybe. Does he not come back in the last one? I don't know, I've not seen him. I think maybe. They go back to that room. I can't remember if he's in it or not. They don't destroy it. They don't kill him or anything, so... No, they just escape. No idea. Can't remember, obviously. No, but in comparison to The Conjuring Ghost, it's it's nowhere near as good. Like, the one, the shot of the one on the top of the wardrobe is brilliant. Or we've not even fucking talked about Annabelle there because she's fucking creepy. That bit in the middle yeah. of the film with her daughter, where her head just fucking slowly. The woman on the way in the in the rocking chair. Yeah, fucking nope. Get me out. Get oh yeah. Me. But I mean, they're, they're all they're all clearly really well done in the Conjuring movie. I like, I like all of the ghosts, and I think even in like as it gets further along, we see some great ones as well. Like in the second one, the nun holding the picture. It's fucking brilliant. I like the, I really like the con. They do a really good job with the ghosts throughout the entire franchise. So it's no surprise that that one won there for both of us. We'll, we'll move on then to the music in both. Oh, this one, this one will be a fun one. Because I think as ink, it's what's different to the slashes we did last week. Whereas I think obviously Friday the Thirteenth has got an iconic score, but it doesn't really add anything to the movie, especially at that point where it's all just a bit over the top and they're really just. They know what they are, whereas in this, I think the score really, really elevates both movies. And I think without the score, they're probably not half as scary as they are. It's similar with, like, I've read something about Halloween in the past where someone watched a test screening and didn't find it that, like, scary until they added the music and the score, and then he said it was one of the scariest things they'd ever seen. And it was the same with the shower sequence in Psycho, where once they added the music, it was that like 10 times more terrifying. And I think the same can be said with both of these. I think the scores in both are incredible. Um, I'll let you describe them since I talk too much. But the... No, go on. No, you described the score, because I didn't, th- I didn't think about the scores. 
I thought you were talking about individual like songs in the film. And I oh, you could you, do that then. I thought you was getting at a very specific thing that I, well, I'm going to say I, I, I'm been banned from taking credit for it. But obviously in Insidious, we've got Tiptoe Through the Tulips, which is <laughs> your face is fucking it is a nightmare fuel. <laughs> which we've we've said before, we work in the cinema and every October I get to do a Halloween playlist and I do pop that on. Is that why you've if that is that why you handed you notice it? That might be it, just in time to get out just of there. Halloween, get out while you can. And it is one of the best like horror film songs, definitely. Um, it is just fucking creepy. It's a weird like, the singing voice is so fucking weird. Yeah. Did you know about the guy, Tiny Tim? He's creepy anyway. He looked like the child snatcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And he died whilst performing on stage. What this song? I don't know if it was this song, but he was he was doing a live concert, and he I think he had a heart attack on stage. Like Tiny Tim, oh my God, God rest his soul, was was a creepy looking guy, and that song is horrific, and it fits the film perfectly. And I think, I mean, look at that! Oh, Jesus, look at it, man! He's terrifying. <laughs> like it's not good. So when, he, when you see who sings that song, I think it even adds more to how scary it is. But yeah, the tips off for the children's song. Fuck Can you me. imagine being like in that era and like going and watching that sing that song live? Oh, no. But the other Conjuring, obviously it's got some great late 60s, early 70s songs in it. But there's a song when they're setting up all the lamps and the cameras around the house and it's a song with heavy synthesizer on a and like really really creepy synthesizer well not creepy like uh, that's the best way to describe it i don't really know but it's got like synthesizer keyboard playing through it do you know who that is i think so i thought that was the reason you put music down and like i said i've been banned i'm not allowed to take credit for it this is 100% grace she made me pause the film so she could specifically tell me Ryan gosling's banned is it really? Yeah, so in this film that's got 60, late 60s, early 70s music in it, randomly, when they're setting up all the detective equipment, is Ryan Gosling's band from when he was younger. I mean, that's strange. I'm not sure he was around making music in the 70s. So that yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, it's so strange. And uh, what's the name of the band? Because I want to give him full credit, obviously. It is... Uh... Fuck, what's his name? What's his name? What's his name? Dead Man's Bones, and it's called In the Room Where You Sleep, which is obviously a very apt song. I'm not yeah. going to play it, obviously, because I don't want us to be the, get our first ever copyright strike. Um, second ever, because we have had one on the Instagram page. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought that's the reason why, I thought that's the reason why you said me. I didn't realize you were talking about score. So if we're talking about songs, I scored it on songs, um, because both scores to me have quite similar in that it's creepy strings and lots of sharp strings when scares are happening um but i went 10 10 purely for the fact that i can't not give ryan gosling anything less than a 10 and tiptoe through the tulips is definitely one of the creepiest songs to ever grace a horror movie so i did it i pulled out a 10 10 and a 10 8 this episode i was gonna say ticking all the boxes i 
went 10-9 in favour of Insidious because that song is the most horrifying I've ever heard in my entire life. There's no song on earth that creeps me out more. It's just horrific. And I think if you put that in any horror movie and it's scarier, I don't know. Like that could have been any other song. I don't think it's anywhere near as effective. And hearing it at the beginning when she's outside and she looks through the window and sees the the dancing, the creepy fucking dancing, I'm like, first of all, who enjoys that? Who listens to that and wants to boogie? Get the fuck out with that. I think little kid does. Yeah, well, he shouldn't have been alive when that song was on because he looks like he's from Georgian times. And that song was like, well, like 30 years old, so I'm not buying that. And then Lipstick Man playing it, fuck off. We've had it once already. We don't need it twice, pal. We get the point. It's scary. I think uh, the the kids dancing definitely makes that for me. It's just It's such a little boogie yeah, and it's creepy as hell. Whereas, yeah, I do like the 60s, 70s soundtrack in The Conjuring. But in terms of like the actual scores, I went out, I, I think I'd have gone for Insidious as well, because I think The Conjuring, it's very, it's very like string based and echoey. Whereas I think Insidious, there's a lot of piano, just like when there's a the jump scares, it was just like a bong and it just really sudden like throngs. And it, I think it really adds to it. Um, but yeah, if anything, I just wanted to tell you how fucking terrifying through the so I went 10-9 in favour of that. I'm surprised that wasn't a 10-8 for how fucking scary that song is. You picked this category specifically just to uh, complain about how it is. You do know that I'll have probably used this on the Instagram page, so you're going to have to share it and listen to it at some point. As if, I'll mute like, that shit. If it's not copyright strike, I will be using, I'll be using that song, obviously. In the if, nicest way possible, who's going to copyright strike you? Because Tiny Tim's gone. That's a good point. It's Instagram. Instagram's weird. And might, I have, to be fair, have, looking at that motherfucker, he might come back. Yeah, and I have to check the songs before I put them on. That's why I don't really use songs on the uh, clips I do and much yeah. more than free stuff. But yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly, but uh, in my heart, couldn't give Ryan Gosling anything less than a 10. See, that's fair. I didn't actually know it was Ryan Gosling, so that might have changed things, but I still feel like no, the, the terror outweighs it, everything. The way you spoke about, I don't think it's going to change things for you. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. <laughs> when we were younger, me and my friends, when we were younger, we used to hang out. Um, this song, one of them would always wind us up. Say that like we'd been out drinking or something, and we'd all be chilling at mine, and it'd be like nighttime, and someone would like we'd be putting songs on, and then someone to be an ass would put it on, and like we're all like eighteen-year-old lads at this point. But as soon as we put it on, there's like four or five. Is like, nah, fuck that, get it off now. We don't want to listen to that. Like we can't. No. Oh, you know, it's like at the end of the night, everybody's in the screen, so there's usually just staff in the foyer and there's there's nobody else walking around. Um, it is great to just skip to tiptoe to, in the tulips when there's... <laughs> turn the lights out, put that song on. Don't figure anything worse, honestly. <laughs> uh, well, that watching Insidious is like the first time I've heard it, probably since last Halloween, and... I probably will never hear it again now. Unless I watch the CDS again. Can I ever go out my way to listen no, to that you're song? Hear it again because I'm going to make sure you hear it again. <laughs> it's horrific. But we'll move on now. And that's enough about my hatred for poor Tiny Tim, who has since passed. God bless him. <laughs> the child snatcher looking He's finger. Creepy. He is creepy looking. Yeah, I know, man. It's weird. Um, and what's surprised if he died and became the fucking lipstick geezer? Looks very similar. Yeah. And it's probably why they picked the song. <laughs> Creeps. Um, we'll move on then to the house in both, which... Oh, yeah. The thing is, the house in Insidious, it could be... It's like, I think the 
what's creepy about that is it's just in the middle of a neighborhood. Like it could happen to anyone. It's not like some historic old house in the middle of nowhere where creepy things do tend to happen. It's a modern looking home. Whereas the conjuring house is like a farmhouse in the seventies, which is essentially just kind of in the middle of nowhere with like the lake nearby. And it's huge. Like it's fucking huge. It's got the hidden walls. It's got the basement. It's got all the different bedrooms. Um, it's essentially a stereotypical haunted house. So I went, despite all that, in favour of the conjuring because it fucking works. So it works straight yeah. up. And yeah. also the house in Insidious kind of doesn't really matter because they move out and it carries on. So the yeah. house isn't actually essentially like a character in the manner in which the conjuring one is. I think sometimes horror movies work when you're just in the middle of fucking nowhere. It's creepy. I wouldn't want to go stay in a house like that. I wouldn't. Hold on. Last week you were saying you didn't like cabin in the woods was boring and i never said cabin in the woods was boring i love that film no like the location a cabin in the woods oh no i said it works <laughs> and this cool. one you... the mental asylum was a twist but it still works that's why they keep doing it and this is the 70s it's different i do like that in both films uh, opposite sides of the house you've got one basement and one attic but it's both of them have still got um stacked up chairs with cobwebs on them yeah. Do you know what? I, I saw something about that, though. It's because I think Insidious is set on the West Coast where a lot of the houses do have attics because of the heat. And on the East Coast, they have basements, which is where Conjuring set. So it's actually geographically correct, apparently. I was just more making a joke that both of them have got fucking shit in their attics and basements. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, they're always a mess. I mean, we don't really have, like, proper attics or basements in England, but I imagine if I did, mine would be a shit tip, so... I can't yeah. really judge too much. Yeah, more than likely. Same. Um, I also don't think I'd ever go in it because those shit's always creepy. Yeah. I, uh, my, when I was younger, my dad lived in a house, in a cottage, in like a really dark area just surrounded, which it was this lone cottage surrounded by trees. You had to get to it via path. It was proper dark and it had a it had a basement. Everything creaked. Absolutely hated going there on a weekend. Yeah, I can imagine. That sounds horrendous. Yeah. Fucking hated it. Um yeah, I went, you know, 10 9 for the for the house in uh, Conjuring as well because it just doesn't have the same feel when you're in a modern day house. Like it just doesn't just doesn't feel creepy. It's just like, oh, you're being scared in your really expensive uh, modern looking house. In fact, no, the one scariest thing about the house, the first house in Insidious is who puts their bed against the window? Where the curtains have to go behind your headboard. Like, what the fuck's all that? That really fucking took me out of it. Like, come on, plan your room a bit better. And it, it sounded like a really cramped room as well. I mean, really. It, no, just design better. Um, yeah, modern, boring. In the second house, it's a little, I don't know how they're like, oh, we just moved into this house. Oh, we're going to quickly sell it and buy another house that's just as nice. Like, it doesn't really have that effect. Whereas, Everything in the conjuring is just creepy with the fucking tree, um, the basement, the secret basement, um, the wardrobe that's just there with a hole in the back, um, where they're heavily insinuated that's where they they stored the child. Um, just everything about it's creepy. So yeah, without a doubt, um, conjuring. Yeah, I think there's there's no question. Like, those old houses are just much scarier, which is the general necessity for a horror film is to scare you. So without further ado, we'll go on to the last category of the uh, 
showdown, which is just the scares. Like which which movie had the best scary moments? Because they have both got quite a few. Um, we'll run through yeah, some in a minute. If, but... I four, if I had the four four, I would have had Grace hiding down here the entire time, and then as we went on to scares, have a jump out. <laughs> you think Grace and Willis just sit there for over an hour and listen to us do chat? I don't think there's anything worse. Or just have Sophie walk in. That's get probably. Scary. Nah, that would be a scare. Do you know? There's a picture at work that I saw of her that had just been put on like above the retail, and I only noticed it for the first time the other day, and it was a genuine like, oh Jesus! <laughs> like she was back. I was like, oh dear. <laughs> not what Sophie, I want when I'm trying to make money. Sophie being my sister-in-law, who you love really. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, I mean. She's back soon. I'm gone. Is there a coincidence? I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll talk about the scares then because both films have got quite a few. I think Insidious, it's a lot more like of a, a jump scare type of thing where like Rose Byrne's character notices something like the shoes and like the bit. when she goes to move it and the little boy jumps out or the, like you said, we said the lipstick motherfucker behind. Josh's face when the mum sees it. And that that one gets me every time. Because like, I don't expect that one at all. Um the mannequins in the favour where the, the creepy faces and stuff like that. And there's there's another one that I'm struggling. Oh the the fucking... a woman in a dress walked by and that proper made Grace. Yeah. Or for me, the baby monitor. Oh, yeah, that bit's good, yeah. Because we might not be dads, but we can understand how scary that would fucking be. Like, if I had a kid and I've got the baby monitor and I hear some geezer muttering, I'm fucking... I don't know if I'm even going to get it. I don't know if I'm out of the door. Am I leaving the kid behind? I don't fucking know. First of all, I don't know if I'm a dad or not. <laughs> uh, I could be somewhere. Yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, but, I'm not. Thank God. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, no, I'd be if I had. If it's like, oh, it's probably interference. I don't give a fuck. I'm gone. It's fucking creepy. Yeah, where's the conjuring? Um, or like, yeah, the this it's all jump scary and insidious. Whereas the conjuring has just got really creepy moments. And there's two that I've been trying to not talk about because I want to save it for here. And it's my favorite moment in the conjuring movie is when she's hanging up washing and the wind blows and it like stops on something and then just blows away and then you see her in the window and he's like oh that's fucking brilliant and the second best moment in the whole country movie is when she hears the noises in the basement and she's locked in and she's lighting the things she's lighting the, lighting the things i know the word for matches lighting the matches and they go out and then she lights one and then the hands come out of the dark and clap fucking gets me every time so fucking creepy but there's loads of stuff in um conjuring and insidious to like we said earlier, like with the the family that just all of a sudden start smiling and the baby monitor and and then in in conjuring you've got the the kid that jumps off of the top of the cabinet and you've got even like the dog dying, like you knew something was gonna happen. It wasn't a jump scare, it wasn't even a scare, really. It was just creepy. Um you got the the girl in the washroom, you got the ball in the basement still still gets me. The 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 way the shot kind of cuts back to Lorraine and you can see, or is it when it cuts to, I can't remember who it cuts to, but you can, all of a sudden you can see the feet just hanging. It's behind Patrick Wilson's character, I think. Yeah. He just, he just, that, that man just loves having stuff behind him that he can't see. Um, yeah. Uh, like the green screen in Aquaman. Um, <laughs> well, or, I'm legit excited for Aquaman too. I don't even care. 
track record for liking DC movies. We've not talked about it in a while. Um, and again, when Annabelle turns her head on, on that rocking chair, I fucking quit. I fucking quit. No. How stupid have you got to be, though, to keep all these demonic possessions in the same house as your daughter? Seems a bit reckless to me. You put it in the garage. Yeah. Like one of those um, storage oh. units. Fucking stick like that. Yeah, put it somewhere safe. Yeah. Not near your fucking child. Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you what, it is a scary moment. The one with the daughter who, when she gets a hit, when the hair starts to flow, yeah. she gets pulled up. That shit is terrifying. And it's not even the ones you see. It's like, like we said earlier, Joey King's character in bed crying about something in the corner. Yeah. And we can't see anything. But that's terrifying because she genuinely looks like fearful for her life. Also, that stuff is brilliant. Cool. The effect of her being pulled, it's really simple, but it looks genuine like she's being pulled. Like, yeah. I know that sounds really stupid because she's probably being pulled by something, but it just really, really... It's the first time it happens where you kind of see her go down a little bit and then the next time it happens, it's like further and it's just it's just so well executed. And the, like when they're looking in the music box for the first time, we're not giving a score, but obviously it's a 10. I think we've both gone 10-9 in favour of Conjuring here. Um, and it's it's just so well done. Um, even like when like they're um, they're doing the um, lecture and they're explaining the the nun case and using the footage from I can't remember if it's Conjuring Two or the first. No, it's Conjuring Two, and it's explaining all the nun stuff. But using that footage and even that's like got a jump scare in it, and it's like fucking hell. Like it's just, and it's all, it's not, well, it's not really jump scares. It's all just, it's a buildup of creepiness. And it starts from the very, very beginning of the film with the, the crayon in Annabelle's hand. And it's just creepy. And it just builds up this tension. It builds up this kind of anxiety throughout the film. So when stuff does happen, like shooting out the blood or going on the ceiling and being a creepy motherfucker or crawling through the under, underneath the building, it, it, it all pays off. Whereas Insidious is more classic. That's just scary for a second until you're over it and it's nothing that's like lasting yeah I agree I, I think it's very telling that we spoke in depth and about the conjuring scares and very little about the insidious ones because they I'll are very brief about the insidious movie the most it's at the end not with a woman that didn't make me jump it's when it cuts to the big title card that says insidious and the music's dead fucking loud I'm like Jesus Christ <laughs> get me to bed I'm tired yeah but that bit with the baby monitor is genuinely terrifying. I think I think that stuff is really well done. But for the most part, the conjuring fucking eats its lunch in terms of scares. I think it's so much more effective in the methodical way it does it. Even like with the maid when Brad follows her in and she's in the corner, falls in, and then all of a sudden she's just in front of him. And it's hearing the fear in his voice as he's screaming for Ed. Like it just adds to it all. And I just think it's so I think it is so much creepier and I fucking love it so much. I love that film so much. I mean, this is probably the most one-sided we've ever done. So I don't think there's any tension in the results. I think it's pretty clear what's won. But I will reveal... Who's it going to be? The winner. With yeah, 100... I, you are? How much, I'm going to say, we know who's going to win, but I think it's by how much... By, like, this is definitely going to be a landslide, I'm sure. Yeah. How much is probably going to be... So the winner is The Conjuring, of course, 
with 198 to 182. Almost a 20-point difference. That's definitely the biggest we've ever done. Yeah. I think that would have been, if I hadn't scored the music and the um, ending in favour of Insidious, that would have been a full landslide. Well, for me, it technically was because I did um, eight nines, one eight and one ten, so it balanced it out, so it came out an even 90. It's literally the the lowest, unless I gave ten eights to everything, which I'm not I'm not going to do. Um, it's probably the lowest we could get it. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's crazy. 198 to 182. Well, that's the biggest we've done. I don't know if, we'll, and that's surprising actually because they're two films that I actually view as quite similar. Yeah, um, I am. Um, I think rewatching them over these past two days, like I really enjoyed watching Conjuring. That immediately finished it and went. If I weren't knackered right now, I would I would put the Conjuring two on. And if it weren't late, both I will say both times we've had to watch something nice afterwards. You know, like an episode of Simpsons or so, just something yeah. nice. I think we watched a little bit of No Way Home after The Conjuring. When, something uh, to help you sleep. Not me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not me. But we had to watch Spider- all the Spider-Men get together. Um, whereas Insidious, I was like, um, I remember liking this a lot more the first time I watched it. Still like it, but I think I liked it a lot more um, the first time I watched it. Um and not really like, oh, I need to see what happens to him in number two. I'll just, I'll be fine. But now I'm really like, right, I've got to watch all the Friday the 13th. I need to watch The Conjurings. If yeah. I was talking to somebody about Friday the 13th movies and they said, they don't get any better. And it just Who makes said that? Um, yeah, a friend of mine, Rich. And I, I now need to watch them even more. Hey, the fourth one's genuinely good, I think. That's what he said. He he said the fourth one was great. Though it takes his his description was it's, it's genuinely good. Uh, everything I know about slasher movies probably came from the fourth one. And then he was like, it mostly takes place on a boat and it's got Corey Feldman in it. I was like, that's what Cal said. <laughs> and it's got Crispin Lover, Crispin Glover doing some weird dancing. Well, what more do you need? Exactly. Uh, it ticks all the boxes for me. The fourth one's good, but and we kind of strayed off there with Friday the 13th. That was last week. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, I've only actually watched the first Insidious and I've never felt a great need to watch the others. It felt like it was one contained story and would have been fine on its own. Whereas The Conjuring, I've watched all three of the um, the main ones and I've, I, I'm like you, I love all of them. I think the second one is great. I think the third one's good. It's not quite on the level of the first two, but it's still good. And I'd probably watch a Conjuring movie every single year of the release one because... The possibilities are endless, like with different cases with the same investigators. I think it would work every single time. So, yeah, give me more of that. Agreed. I think but, yeah, that brings us... We're doing a fourth one. They are doing a fourth one. I think so. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Great. Just yeah. Ed as, as a as a film duo are, are great. And I think... Yeah. They, they I deserve more. Stop making these spin-offs like the norm. Just give me more Conjuring. Yeah, exactly. I'll tell you what, though. Everyone always talks about like Jamie Lee Curtis as the screen queen, but Patrick Wilson's got to be the screen king now because what's that? Two this is two full franchises he's done. Probably. There can't be many men that have like, done well. I'm sure people would want to give it to Robert England instead. Yeah, but he's the villain. You can't be a screen king if you're the villain. Oh yeah, good point. Yeah, let's give it Patrick Wilson. Yeah. Well, this is official internet. Uh Patrick Wilson's the screen king. Yeah, sound. We've we've anointed him. Patrick Wilson and Jamie Lee Curtis in it. 
That'd be class. That would be class. Yeah, I'd like that. He did do a he did one as a villain once. Um that I've not seen, but I want to because it sounds fucking incredible. Aquaman. Is it no, that was a great film. It was a, I do like Aquaman. I mean, did you notice in that speaking about Annabelle that they snuck Annabelle into it? Yeah, yeah, they do, yeah, yeah. And she and she, she also makes an appearance in the new Shazam film. Like and he, just yeah, keep... any film that James Wan does, he sneaks Annabelle in. Um and in Insidious, you can see uh Chalk drawing of Jigsaw. He's fucking clever, isn't he? he? Knows what he's doing. <laughs> he's sneaking all these scary motherfuckers. He's just got an extra prop laying about. Yeah, he's like, let's stick this in. I don't know why Annabelle showed up in fucking Aquaman, but I was like, whoa, we'll get that gone. It just means it's all part of the universe. Just got next time you watch when you watch Conjuring Two, just think Aquaman's out there somewhere. Yeah, well, if this is happening, that nun should get smacked about by Henry Cavill. So that'd be a film worth watching. Or, or the silhouette of Henry Cavill, or the really bad CGI face of Henry Cavill. Yeah, just get battered by someone. But yeah, that brings us uh, this episode to an end, then, guys. We hope you enjoyed that. That was quite a fun one. We have two great horror films, which is nice. Breath of fresh after last week for you. But yeah, I enjoyed that. Last I hope week. you did. Did you? Last week broke me. Like, he genuinely yeah. broke me. <laughs> Well, hopefully this uh, went some way into fixing you then. But um... yeah, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. I, I well, I like both these movies, and it's obviously it's completely different because it's not they're not like overly silly or comedic. Um, but oh, yeah, I love the Conjuring movies. Oh. Yeah, top. There's some of the like they were top like level horror franchise for me. I think so. It was good that we got it done. But yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed that. If you are watching on YouTube, feel free to subscribe to the channels and give the video a like and head over to like Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anything like that if you want the audio-only version. Similarly, if you are on the audio-only versions, head over to YouTube and stare at these faces. I'm wearing my new... I say new, I've had it for about a month now, but it's Back to the Future T-shirt, which I fucking love. Really DeLorean. Continued the October film with a Satanogram. Do you know what? I thought it was a Game of Thrones shirt. You know? No, it's Doom. Doom? Oh, well... Some nice T-shirts going on. So you're missing out if you're on uh, Spotify and stuff like that. Get onto YouTube. Look at these bad it's boys. The last, the last day before my big haircut. Obviously, we're filming in advance, and uh, this is growing. This is the longest it's been since COVID. You probably can't see it very well on camera, but it's fucking though. And I, oh, you can't, you're not be able to see it on camera. I took a photo of my hair this morning because it has grown out. We're going on a tangent at the end of the episode. It has grown out really bad, and the greys are so thick, just like a line across. But I quite. I'm quite lucky this light doesn't really show them off. The top of my head there tends to have quite a few. Did we talk about this last week? Yeah, I think so. Just ret- <laughs> You get me on the topic of grey hairs and I start to get a fucking meltdown. I'm starting to worry it. that when they shave the side of the head that you're still going to be able to see them. Yeah, that's when you know you're old. Yeah, I know I'm old because you remind me every week. <laughs> I'll do. But yeah, <laughs> uh, if, you guys, <laughs> if you guys want to find us anywhere else, I'm on Twitter at Calamaltimus. Um, by the time this is out I won't be tweeting about it but I am tweeting a lot about the fact that Black Marovers look alright again we keep going through these patches we're either good or we're bad we're never in between and we look good now so I'm positive uh, I'm also tweeting a bit about wrestling because there's a big show coming up that I'm very very excited for and I am also at this point a full time member of the Gimme Sports team so I might start sharing more of my articles on Twitter because I'm going to be writing a lot more and making decent money doing it. So why the hell not? Not to brag. Um, what? Not 
brag. That is a brag. I'm proud of myself. But I'm also on letterbox.calamus where there's going to be a lot of horror films coming in. I've I've not really put any of these on yet, so I'm putting them all in bulk. Like I dropped, I put both the last week's episodes on today. I'm going to yeah, put, I don't. I don't pop the episodes that we do. If I've no, if I've not watched it before, I don't put it on Letterbox until the episodes until we've announced it. At yeah. least, yeah. But because we're recording a lot of these in short notice, I've been watching a lot more films lately. So I think I was be, I was trailing behind because of how much writing I've been doing. But now I'm back to like twenty eight for the month. So I think I'm averaging one a day right now, which is wonderful. Um, but yeah, as October progressive, it's going to be more and more. You got All two right. weeks off from recording, so you can watch films for fun again. I know, yeah. I, well, to be fair, I did watch Groundhog Day today, so I did watch that for fun. I love that movie. Groundhog Day. I can't remember what you're saying. I knew you would. Do you know, at first, I wasn't sure whether you were trying to do a bit. That's <laughs> why I hesitated. You still went for it. I'm on Twitter at nay underscore 214, where unfortunately at this point Ahsoka will have ended and there's no more new Star Wars for the rest of the year. So I'll just be quiet and depressed. Yeah, I'll just be quiet and depressed, retweeting what everybody else is talking about Star Wars. Um, My life will go back to meaning nothing as a married man, obviously, this time. Um, (laughs) I'm on uh, uh, Letterboxd at nay 214, where I'm hoping we can start increasing my film output. Um, I'll have, at this point, I'll be having a week off before I go back to work, so that that week is probably just going to be catching up on films. And at this point, I will have seen The Creator, which is a film I've been looking forward to um, all year, so hoping, really hoping it, it's good, because it is one of my most anticipated films of the year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. I think this episode will drop on, what, like the 12th of October? All right. Tomorrow I'm going to watch uh, the Errors tour. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> but if this is the 12th, that means in eight days, Killers of the Flower Moon is out. And at this point, I am very hyped. And you won't be able to get a free ticket. No, but I spoke to a certain someone that gets free tickets. And if he goes to watch it, he's taking me with him. You're talking about me? Because I mean, I'm talking about Bernie. I say I'll take you, but yeah, let baby take you. Don't use my free tickets. No, Bernie boy. Because <laughs> I think he, other than myself, I, think he, I don't think I know anyone quite as excited about this film as he is. He's such a big Leo fan that he, I don't think he's interested in anything else right now. So I'm counting on the days. This, this time, when the, by the time this episode drops, we're just over a week away and I am fucking hyped. So yeah, <laughs> let's go. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. On that on that note, we've waffled on long enough, so uh, thanks for listening, guys, and we will see you next week. Where we'll continue the spooky season. Two pieces together, look at that. <laughs> Bye. Bye.